Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Wendy Koblenz, who is an Alexander Technique student who lives in the Bay Area of California. Uh, Wendy uh, went through many years of um, back pain and um, explored all sorts of alternative and mainstream healing methods over the course of a number of years and um, eventually uh, found the Alexander Technique and um, that seemed to be the the method that worked best for her and we're going to talk a little bit about her um, her exploration of other methods and in particular what made makes in her in her experience what made the Alexander Technique uh, different and and for her more effective. Uh, Wendy's background is um, she's had many years as a fundraising consultant, and um, she's on the board of, on the board of a number of organizations in the Bay Area. Uh, Wendy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. So. Um, and I forgot to mention in the introduction uh, that Wendy has written a book about her experiences called It's Your Fault, My Journey Through Back Pain, A Teenager, and Self-Discovery. And we'll put a link to uh, that book uh, by, the, by the podcast. Um, Wendy, uh, just to give our listeners some idea of what we're talking about here, could you give your very short uh quick answer to the question, what is the Alexander Technique? I actually get asked that quite a bit. So my sort of general response is unlearning or undoing habitual patterns of misuse that lead to stress or pain. And it's not doing anything. It's giving yourself a direction. Um, and, and it's a learning process. Mm-hmm. And and you say not doing anything. It's not trying to fix a problem by by doing a new thing as much as it is figuring out what you have been doing that may be getting in the way and learning how to stop doing that. Would that resonate with you? Absolutely. That kind of approach. Absolutely. It's getting away from fixing things, um, focusing on posture or anything like that. Right. And... Um, most of the methods that that uh, in your book that I read that you you described were were therapies of one sort or another, and of course the Alexander technique is really a teaching method. It may very well have some therapeutic benefits, but it's not a, a therapy per se. Correct. So, could you just say a little bit about your early experiences with back pain and what you tried and? how that went, and then we can get into what distinguishes the Alexander Technique from those other methods. Sure. I initially injured my back in an exercise class, and being a very active type A person, I assumed it would either A, go away, or be better with some sort of simple treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just the ball started rolling in a manner of speaking um i went for sort of started with conventional physical therapy and then moved on to various kinds of injections epidurals that sort of thing none of which worked and it all made it worse um i tried acupuncture i tried yoga um physical therapists that insisted 
that unless I did 20 reps three times a day of a certain kind of exercise, that my back was never going to get better. Mm -hmm. um, chiropractor, guided imagery, myofascial release, and because I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, there is a lot of alternative uh, treatments, and I call them treatments here, that some of them are just um, totally bizarre. But I was desperate and in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And and in, in your book, you... you um cover a lot of these excursions of yours through the world of, well, both alternative and, and conventional uh, therapies. And, and you, you really went through a lot. I, I didn't count the number, but it was certainly at least a couple of dozen, right? Um, yes, at least a couple of dozen, probably inching up to close to 30. 30 right. to 35 and right. looking at everything. Right. And and in your your experience with with those none of them actually did any were were useful uh in helping with your back pain would that be a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, totally correct. So at some point um you stumbled onto the Alexander technique I think it was through a, a recommendation and it's interesting uh that you you had a couple of lessons and you kind of liked it but then you went back to the alter the alternative search process for a while and could could you say a little bit about that early experience Yes I mean it was a very positive experience I didn't know anything about it I just sort of assumed it was another one of these sort of off the wall alternative things that I had already tried mm -hmm. um I did but I was still focusing, as I know now, on the end gain and the result of a quick fix. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a quick fix for the couple of sessions, so I moved on um, to other different things. Mm -hmm. And what caused you to return? Was it a period of months or years until you returned? Well, it was probably, I would say, maybe eight months down the road, mm -hmm. um, because I realized in sort of I was also getting caught up in the process of trying to fix things. And the more I tried, the more frustrated I got, and the worse things became. Um, Pain-wise, frustration, stress, etc. I also started to realize that a lot of these various people who I had seen were sort of operated in a vacuum in the sense that they looked at, they, they did something specific, and if I didn't follow what they recommended, then it was my fault I wasn't getting better, hence the title of my book. Mm -hmm. um, and I had, my sense was in going back to the Alexander Technique that I didn't have these feelings. I wasn't being blamed. Um, I wasn't being told to move in a certain way or to do this or do that. And that's what brought me back. A basic difference in in the sort of blame issue or judgment issue, perhaps. It was a huge issue in the judgment issue. Um, even when I saw a breathing coach in the mm -hmm. area who told me that I wasn't breathing correctly. Mm -hmm. So as a result, even that, and I think I went to see her a couple of times, um, I would be so focused on trying to breathe the quote-unquote right way that it made me tighten up and made everything worse. Interesting, yeah. 
And so you, you went back after eight months or so and started having lessons again with the same teacher, right? Yes, with the same teacher. And it's, he's a man named John Barron, who I believe his office is in... He's in Sa- Sausalito, California. Sausalito, yes. Uh-huh. And he, he is uh, a co-director of a, of a Alexander Technique training course, actually, mm-hmm. in, in the San Francisco area. Mm-hmm. So you went back, and what was your experience at that point? You'd, you obviously had come to a conclusion, I guess, that there wasn't going to be a quick, immediate fix, right? Correct. And you were more open to the idea of a process that might take a while, wasn't going to be instantaneous? I was more, I, I wasn't even looking as far as a time duration. Um, I was definitely more interested in the process and I was tired of doing things. Um, mm-hmm. t- tired of the research, trying to find something new, trying to figure out if this was going to be it. Mm-hmm. So I just you know, it sounds easy, but it was extremely difficult to let all that stuff go away and um, start the process again. Well, and 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 to be to be uh, uh, truthful about it, I mean that is the American way. <laughs> uh, we want quick fixes for everything, including pain. Mm-hmm. And we're, most most of us, not just the American way. I mean, most of us. Really, uh, I think the typical response to pain is, who do I get to fix it, or what drug do I take to mask it, or whatever, right? Exactly. And you, that ultimate, obviously, ultimately didn't work for you. So you 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 resumed your lessons with with John Barron, and what when did it happen that you really sort of got that this was the way to go and and how and what was it that told you that i don't really know it was gradual um and i think it was the awareness that if my back hurt at a certain time um to either lie on the floor in an alexander resting position with this small book and my feet propped up knees in the air sort mm-hmm. of hard to explain but, mm-hmm. um and to sort of let that go and i found that my reactions to things whether it be pain or the stress of my teenage son who was acting up and doing everything i could sort of tell myself to stop and stop reacting and it was a very it started to become very unconscious and i would just you know if that makes any sense it would be more your default way of dealing with stressful situations would be just to stop for a second, not not be as reactive. Would that be a fair way yeah, of saying it, it? Yes, exactly. It was almost like a pause before the reaction. And I noticed it was more of a contrast, for example, obviously didn't happen all the time, and it still doesn't, that when something would happen and I would immediately react, I would realize afterwards, after the reaction, whatever it was, is I didn't need to react that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a very, an incredible learning experience. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the actual pain itself, what what was the uh, progression there? I mean, the pain was diminished because I wasn't as focused on the pain that I had to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And I, people have asked me now, you know, does your back still hurt? Well, you know, I manage it. 
I'm still able to do everything that I want to do. And I think that some of the my feeling, and I've heard this from other people who are in pain, there's a big association of fear and pain, that if you do something, whatever it is, it's going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, that wasn't the case. I mean, I was doing too much in making it worse. But there's a huge fear factor, and I was able to give that up. Right. And um, so did you... Did there come a point when your reason for continuing with the lessons had less to do with the back pain than other issues or other reasons? Or is is, is back pain still kind of the driving force for you taking lessons? It's um, back pain or neck pain. I even found that, for example, several years back, I fractured my ankle and was on crutches for three months. And I think if I didn't have my Alexander training, that I would have been in a lot worse shape than I was at that time as far as dealing with operating on crutches. Mm -hmm. So um, apart from, I mean, as as you said, all these other methods or most of them seem to involve some level of judgment or blame. Yes, and I, I, I assume that that was not present with your Alexander lessons. And we, we, we right. teachers uh, like to try to be as non-judgmental as possible. Yeah, it was totally non-judgmental. Yeah, I mean, even and when I, I'm, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, even I saw somebody who was an expert in guided imagery and realized that when I was told to visualize the floating cloud, uh-huh. I couldn't do it. And that there's something wrong with me. And this person said to me that perhaps my resistance to guided imagery was the reason that I wasn't better. Oh, that's that's a great answer, isn't it? Right. <laughs> that uh, yeah. And so there there was the the lack of that sort of judgment or or a blame. And also, I, I'm I guess from what you're saying, all the other methods did ask you to do a new thing. Right. Correct. Whereas, of course, uh, well, not of course, but it, it is the case that Alexander, the Alexander process is really about not doing um, your old habits. And, of course, lying that lying down position that you you described, it has a kind of a fancy name in the Alexander world mm-hmm. called constructive mm-hmm. rest. It mm-hmm. goes by a number of names, but constructive rest is one of them. And it really asks you to do absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you simply place yourself, you know, in a, in a certain configuration on the floor or on a carpet that is one that tends to encourage release in your body. But once you're there, your job is really to do nothing except, if possible, to remain present. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, very different um, healing modality, if you like, than than most of the things you you described. Definitely. So apart from those two factors, the lack of judgment and the lack of uh, asking you to do things, is there anything else about the Alexander Technique that you think kind of distinguishes it from these other processes? Well, I think what dovetails on both of those things is the whole point of um, end gaining, which we all do, is you want to get to the result and you want to get it fast, whether it's being cured or whether it's you know accomplishing something. Um, 
that needs to be accomplished over time. Really, that's very general. And it was always sort of a like fighting against it. And I realized that I didn't have to do that anymore. Right. And maybe just for our listeners who are not familiar with that term, it is a one of the relatively few Alexander technique jargon phrases. Mm-hmm. And end gaining, a, a very simple example of end gaining might be you're sitting at your desk and the phone across the room rings mm-hmm. and you your attention all goes to getting yourself over to that phone, picking it up and answering it. Of course, now with cell phones, that wouldn't be so much of an issue. But you, something happens and you, you engage in a series of movements to respond to that. And typically, you'll do that without giving any thought or consideration to how you're doing it. Exactly. And, and Alexander technique is all about the how. That is what we're interested in. We're not we're not terribly interested in what you decide to do, but we're very interested in how you go about doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that does that's certainly kind of a difference to most com, compared with most other other uh, processes. I think that's huge. Yeah, and you know, thinking uh, just to return to one of your early ventures, uh, you said a physical therapist told you to do X number of exercises. Um, It's quite possible that he simply said, "This is what you do," but he may not have paid a lot of attention to how you did them. And from an Alexander perspective, that would be missing the point entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, um, exercise isn't going to solve anything if it exacerbates the situation, which it exactly very well do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, based on your experiences, and, and I have to say, you really are kind of an expert in how the technique differs from a lot of other things. What would you say to a listener who maybe this is the first time they've heard of the technique? who has some issue like back pain or neck pain or stiff shoulders or any of those sort of pain-type pain issues that are one of the main reasons people take lessons, not the only reason, but a major reason, what would, you, what would your advice to them be based on your experience? Well, my advice first would be to find a reputable teacher and take a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and not have the expectation that the teacher is going to solve your problem or your pain or whatever. Um, But he or she are, I mean, which is the reason the person is called a teacher instead of a therapist is work with you and teach you how to, and solve is not the right word. um, You know, relearn your body, I guess. Yes. That's a very good way of putting it. Relearn how to, how to employ your physical mechanism as it mm-hmm. as it goes through through life yeah so uh and do you have any suggestions for choosing a teacher or evaluating a teacher anything along those lines because you only had the one teacher right i only had a one teacher yeah so um some people get confused and they think that the alexander teaching is a class it's not a class. It's really one-on-one where the teacher works with you individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's really important. I know I've seen advertisements for Alexander Technique classes, 
and I wouldn't recommend them to anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, well, there is a there is kind of a divergence of views on that in the Alexander world. There are there are people who believe that one on one is by far the best way to go. But there, but there is also uh, another view that says maybe group lessons can be pretty helpful too. But obviously, in your click case, you had one on one sessions, mm-hmm. and they were what about an hour in length? About close to that, fifty minutes. Yeah. And that did the trick for you, right? Or certainly got you going on on the road to self, you know, making Definitely. the improvements. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there anything that we have not covered that you want to mention before we come to an end? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we've pretty much covered it. Um, and my recommendations to people who are not familiar with the technique is to be open to it and try it. Mm-hmm. I think that's all you can ask of anybody that they they give it a give it a chance. And I, and I would add that if you do decide to take lessons, uh, you might want to not uh, commit, as it were, to maybe two or three lessons at least to start, just to get a some sense of whether it's going to help you because often the first lesson can be pretty confusing Mm -hmm. because um, while there's nothing inherently um, complicated about the work, it's actually very simple in a lot of ways, it is a very different approach to issues of posture and coordination and movement than most people are used to thinking in and it takes a little readjustment I, i'm sure you found that i mean after all those uh doing um methods suddenly someone is not asking you to do anything it's right it's huge which which was a relief for you but it might also i think for some people it might be a little um you know a little confusing I think initially it's very confusing. Yeah. Um, and that's why I agree with you to um, not just take one lesson and make a decision after that, but mm-hmm. commit to two or three to get more of a sense of mm-hmm. the process. And I would also add that if you certainly if you live in a city like San Francisco that has a great many Alexander teachers, if you don't like the first teacher you run into, perhaps personality-wise or whatever, try another one. Obviously, if there's just one teacher in your area, you don't have that option. But you you were very fortunate in that your initial teacher turned out to be the right one for you. Yes, I would definitely. say. Definitely, definitely. Well, I think on that note, um, just to repeat that, that our, my guest today is has been Wendy Koblenz. She's written a book called, I'll read out the whole title here, It's Your Fault, my Journey Through Back Pain, A Teenager, and Self-Discovery. It's, it's a short read, and I think for anyone who's interested in, in learning about, uh, you know, reading a student's experience, going through lots of stuff, and then ending up with the Alexander Technique, this would be a great book to read. Um, Wendy uh, lives in the Bay Area, and um, we'll put... Um, put a link to John Barron's site. That's your teacher. If Mm -hmm. if you live in the Bay Area, you might want to check in with him. We'll also put a a link to a site that will 
enable you to find a teacher anywhere else in the world. Um, Wendy, thank you so much for. Oh, we'll also put a link to your book. Also, that would on be the great. Site. Yep, you have you have a, a web page devoted to your I book. I do, right? and it's un, it's under my name. It's www.wendycoplins.com. Yep, we'll put we'll put a link to that on the on the page too. Wendy, thank you so much for for being on the show today. Thank you very much. I appreciate.